he met a tax collector named Levi. A tax collector is a person who collects taxes. I don't know. A tax collector is a person tells news to another person. A tax collector is a person who goes to houses or they email you that they want you to pay your taxes. Shine lights. They thought tax collector was bad because they would probably steal money. The tax collectors would take more money than they actually needed to take and they'd keep some for themselves. He said, follow me and Levi left everything to follow. Levi had a fancy dinner at his house, and Jesus was a special guest, though. A banquet is a fancy dinner? I don't know. I don't know. At a banquet, I would eat turkey. I'd like to eat strawberries. I would probably eat chicken, no, steak or, or something. I'd steak. I have fancy dinner. My favorite thing to eat is chocolate ice cream. Turkey, some spaghetti, and some soup. I'd invite my best friend to dinner. I'd bring my friends to the dinner. I would have Jesus as a special guest. I don't know. Audrey. Someone in my class. Other tax collectors and Levi's friends came to but the religious teachers who saw Jesus with them, that he was eating with scum. Ew. 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 Angry. Jesus answered, healthy people don't need to go to the doctor. Sick people do. If you're sick, like really, really, really sick, you have to go to the doctor. But like, if you have like a tiny little cold, you have to stay in bed when I have to get shots. So if something's wrong with you, um, they would look if something's wrong with you. If they are, they could try to fix it. You go to the hospital when you're sick. When our mommy tells us to go to the doctor. Lay in bed, rest, and my parents usually give me medicine, so it's good to maybe read a book or set my mind on something, like, calm. I rest on the couch. I'm here to call people who sin to repent, not people who already think they are right with God. Well, thank you to our kids for helping kick off the sermon today. It's cool that we have, you know, these four languages represented today in American Sign Language, English, Spanish, and Mandarin, but we also have all sorts of ages, and it was great to see uh, young and old even leading in worship up here, as well as some of the youngsters help teach us the Word of God. We can learn from everyone, right? So... Thank you for joining us today. My name is Eric Wakeling, pastor here at Calvary Church. And as we get into this passage that the kids talked about, I want you to think about this question throughout the morning. Do you think you are healthy? Do you think you are healthy? As we kind of go step by step thinking through all of the aspects of this passage and everything that happens in this story, within each part, do you think you're the healthy one? 
Do you think you have this right? Or maybe, maybe you need a little something more. Let's talk through this a bit. And I'll, I'll read to us, you know, just uh, straight from the book, some parts of this story. But this first aspect for you to think, like, do I think I'm healthy with this, is when Jesus does this, when Jesus calls everyone, even those you dislike most, do I think I'm healthy when that happens? What do I think? What do I do when Jesus does that? Let's read uh, Luke 5, 27 to 38. It says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus calls everyone. Everyone, we're in this service with all sorts of different people. It's been a, a theme today. There's all sorts like young, old, different languages, cultures, socioeconomic levels, probably opinions on politics, which seems to be the thing that would freak us out the most these days. But we've got all sorts of opinions on all sorts of things. Maybe it's because they root for the Dodgers and not the Angels. And so you think, I don't like them, which would be natural to think. But you shouldn't think that because they love Jesus too. Uh, so anyway, but it's just like whatever that is that, that distracts you, actually serious things that you dislike about people, Jesus calls Everyone. This tax collector was the ultimate example of this. Now, we might think about tax collectors, and you've heard sermons where this is probably talked about at some point, but tax collectors were not liked by the people of Israel. The tax collectors would, they're not just, like, when you think about a tax collector, don't just think of, like, an IRS agent, which that might be bad enough, right? So just to start there, sorry to IRS agents in the room. Do we have any? I don't know if you probably don't want to raise your hand. It's fine. But just like, <laughs> but like that might be bad enough that they take your taxes. But there was so much more going on in the first century. It was more about, in this little picture, probably the two people behind the tax collector that were some of the problem. You see, the tax collector was taking money from the people of Israel and giving it to the Romans. The Roman Empire is the one that was taking the taxes. And, and this is an occupying force. This is the enemy. So they're working for the enemy. They're working for the ones that are occupying their land at some level, not enslaving all of them, but it has this power over them and robbing from them. An enemy force takes over our country and then takes taxes away from us back to their country. And then now one of us is working for them. That's what's happening here. But even worse is the tax collector. The way for him to make money is that he then adds to the amount that he would give to the Romans to give to himself. And he could choose for it to be whatever amount he wants. And so he's going to all his friends and extorting them and taking money away from them, stealing from them, robbing their livelihoods. It's kind of like a, like a mafia sort of movie, like an Italian mafia movie where he's got his, his street, right? And he's going from shop to shop, like, we'll protect you, but you got to give us the money, you know? Like it's that kind of moment. But he takes more and more for himself, skimming off the top. And there's even something religious about this is uh, that 
part of what he would do with the Romans might even have also been making him ritually unclean, according to the Jewish laws. So he's not only a traitor and a thief, but also unclean, according to religious law for the Jewish people. So this person is a bad person. This is not a good person. This person is doing bad things. Levi here, whose name is uh, changed to Matthew, is a bad person, a person who does some pretty evil and wicked stuff. Now, there's kind of a couple ways to think about this or a couple perspectives because you have the way the people think of Matthew, Levi, right? There's the way they see him as this extortionist thief, kind of mafioso person. But then I also wonder about the way that Matthew views himself. What does Matthew think about himself? Does he have shame about what he does, but this greed kind of overrules him or this fear of the Romans, whatever like his motivation might be, how does he view himself? Nobody likes me and I don't care, I'm getting angry about that. Maybe he's angry, maybe he's ashamed, maybe he's afraid, I don't know. Maybe he just wants to keep up his lifestyle. So there's a couple things going on here as Jesus comes to this person, this person that it's not some people didn't like, everyone doesn't like him. The only people he ends up later inviting to this party they talked about are his his co-workers. That's all he's got is his fellow tax collectors, right? And so that's like, that's all he has. He is looked down upon and Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, come, follow me, be my disciple. And he just gets up and goes. He leaves it all. He leaves it all behind. It's incredible what he does. His response is amazing. Jesus calls everyone, even those you dislike most, and even if the one that you dislike most is yourself, even if the one that you think the least of is yourself. I don't know what Matthew thought about himself, but my guess is he was a guy that was really struggling with a lot of things. But Jesus calls him. Jesus sees more for his life. And so then my next question to you, when you think about, okay, when it comes to that, I watch Jesus do that. Do I think I'm healthy? Do I think I have the right response to that, that that I'm supposed to have? Because I ask you then here, what is your response to sinners being saved? What is your response to people that are far from God and might look like they're far from God of them coming in and being saved? There's even a parable that Jesus tells about the 11th hour, like those who are saved at the last minute on their deathbed. Does that make you mad when you hear about people that lived a whole life of corruption and greed and evil, and then they get saved on their deathbed? And you're like, that's not fair. They were a horrible person. How come God had grace on them? But he does. The grace of God is bigger than we think. So what is your response to sinners being saved. Let's read uh, 29 and 30 of Luke 5. It says, so after Levi got up, he's following him. It says, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? All right, the, the New Living Translation we're reading out of here is having some fun with this word sinners, uh, this word of sinners, but it's those who are reviled, who are, are very disliked for their sin, reviled for their sin. These people, those are the scum 
But what's your response to that? How do you respond when people get saved? How do you respond at the 11th hour? Are you like the Pharisees? Because often longtime followers of Jesus are often jaded. I'm a longtime follower of Jesus myself, and I'm a religious leader. Okay, I am this character in the story. I don't really want to be that character in the story, but that's what would describe me. And I have to tell you, like, sometimes that is hard, right? I don't know, maybe that's hard for you, that you can feel jaded. Like, ah, is that change real? Like, are they, do they, do they really mean that? I especially feel that when I see, like, a celebrity uh, conversion story, you know? And you're like, yeah. Was that just for some sort of like monetary reason or something? Like, I don't know. You know, like you just have this like sort of jadedness that you'll have when you see these stories. But do I, do I come into this just thinking like complaining bitterly like these Pharisees were, thinking, well, these people are, these people are scum. These people are sinners. Why do they get that? And then you see new believers and new believers respond with warm invitation, Right? This, this guy, Levi, this guy is this tax collector everyone hates, and he is asked by Jesus to follow him, and he just gets up, follows him, and then he goes and invites all of his other terrible people friends to a party to meet Jesus. He's like, hey, come on in. I'm having a party. I want you to meet Jesus. That's the right response, right? Inviting people to meet Jesus who changed your life. When Jesus has changed your life, you want to invite them into, this is what an old-timey party might have looked like, but whatever the party at your house looks like, make it fun and invite your friends. I say make it an 8-10 day party, which is where you eat the fat and drink the sweet on August 10th, but uh, we'll talk about that more as we go. But, um, but yeah, to invite people into that. Do you remember when we were having uh, in, here in the English service and here on Easter Sunday, we had baptisms here. We had baptisms as well in our Spanish service. And we, uh, we had all these people getting baptized. And what I love is when people are getting baptized, you hear them introduced and you'll hear like this little crowd over here like erupt in cheers. And then the next person gets introduced and a little crowd over here is like, yay, that's our guy, you know? And then like a little crowd back there. And because all these people were being baptized, they invited the people that they love and care about to come be part of that. And so the, all these different people were warmly invited, you know, because of the life change that happened in them. They were celebrating that. And so how do we get our hearts back to that moment if you've been a follower of God for a long time? To not be jaded, to not be like the Pharisees, but to kind of get back to that freshness that desire to share with those who are far from God. And, and what it is, is it's, it's inviting people to meet Jesus. It's good news. Is it still good news for you? Or maybe kind of like the Pharisees would be today, maybe it's old news. So how can you refresh that and have that be good news? Do you think, do you think you're healthy? Do you think you're healthy? And then... The next part is where we really get into this part about do you think you're healthy, is that Jesus came for those who are sick, not those who think they are healthy. Let's read uh, verses 31 to 32. It says this. This is after the Pharisees say, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. 
Do you think you're healthy? Or do you know that you are a sinner and you need to repent? So kids, like even in that video, like when do you go to the doctor? When do you go to the doctor? Even like answer that out loud to yourself, everyone. Like when do you go to the doctor? You go to the doctor when you think you're sick. You go to the doctor when you think something is wrong that I can't fix, right? We, if we're just like a little bit, like just a little something's wrong, we might lay on the couch. But we go to the doctor when we know something is wrong that we can't fix ourselves. And that is so much of what's happening here in this story is that you have people who think they're healthy, that think they're righteous, that think they've got it all together, these Pharisees. And they don't, they don't follow Jesus. They don't reach out and know they are sinners in need of a savior. They think they've got it all together. But Jesus says, I have not come for those people. I have come for those who know they are a sinner, who know that they are sick, and they need to go somewhere to be fixed and healed and saved in a way that they can't do that for themselves. That's why any of us go to the doctor. We go to the doctor when we know we are sick. But what is our sickness? What is our disease? Our disease is sin, right? The thing that we need to be healed from is the sin in our lives. Sin is not a word that we love using these days, being called a sinner. People don't really like that very much, but it's actually a pretty important step to recognize, to recognize that we have sinned. And so you think, what is sin? That's kind of a weird word when you really get down and think about it. Sin, sin is, is often defined as missing the mark. When you're aiming for a target, you miss the bullseye. You're trying to hit a certain point, but you just keep missing, missing the mark. It's a waywardness from God to be rebellious against God. I like this quote from Glenn Packiam that says this, sin is a contagion and a captivity which involves our complicity, okay? Break that down a little bit. Sin is a contagion, a disease, a sickness. It's a captivity. It is something that like, imprisons us. We are in chains because of our sin. But it's our fault. It involves our complicity. We have done wrong. We have gone against the ways of God, and that has resulted in us having a disease, a contagion. And it then results in us being imprisoned by our sin. And the beautiful thing, though, is that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, God himself, who came for those with the contagion and with the captivity, in that captivity. And he says, I have come, my work upon the cross, as I have lived a perfect life, and as he, as he dies upon the cross, that work heals the virus within you of sin. It breaks the chains of captivity to sin. Even though it's your fault, you have no blame or shame now because of what Jesus has done. And when he comes back to life again on the third day, he then shows that he had the power and the right to be able to do that, that he defeated sin and death. That is the message of the good news of the gospel. But we have to recognize that we need that, right? We need that healing. We need that uh, freeing that liberation from the bondage to sin, and that is only found in Jesus. So do you think you're healthy? Or do you recognize that you're in need of a Savior? And do you have that heart for those 
who are far from God, to share, to, to be able to, to invite warmly those who are far from God. I wanted to invite up uh, again Armando Reyes, the pastor of our Hispanic ministry, who I think is one of the great evangelists of our day, quite honestly, and has an incredible heart for the lost to be able to share with us about that. Armando, please. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Uh, I would like to share a short testimony with you about sharing the gospel. More than 20 years ago, before coming to be pastor at Calvary, I was missionary in La Paz, Bolivia. And one of the most exciting things I did there was preach to non-believers in a square, in a public square in the center of the city, La Paz. And what's amazing, uh, how many people walk through this place every day. They gathered in large groups to listen to politicians, witches, and some uh, dream sellers. So every Wednesday night, I came to this place with a small group of uh, believers, and we preached the gospel. We prayed for all the, the place, and we preached the gospel. Another pastor and I just took uh, a small speaker, a microphone, and uh, preached to all the people. And I remember uh, people come and make a circle around us to hear the good news. One night, after I pray for people that come to receive Jesus, uh, people begin to leave the circle, and then uh, just a young man was there. He was standing there, and he was crying. He was crying alone, and I, I came to hear to him, and I asked, why, why you are crying? Can I help you? And he told me, I'm scared. I'm a lot of scared. And I asked him, why? And he said, because you said in your message that this night can be my last night on earth. And I told him, well, I, I told to everybody here, in, including me, can be your last night, or maybe not, but I don't know how you are living. He was crying, and, and he said, I'm scared because I can't go back to my house this night because maybe I'm going to die. Because my mom yesterday told me the same that you, you said today. And my mom is a Christian, and she's always praying for me. But I, I am living in sin. Wow. wow. He confessed, I'm living in sin. I'm scared. I don't want to go back to my house because maybe I'm going to die. I told this young man, today is your day. Just repent and ask Jesus forgive you, and he's going to come to you. Would you like to do that? 
He said, Jess, please, hold me, please. We pray together. Next day, he come back to this public square, and he, he started a Bible study with me, a discipleship, week by week. And, and I can see the transformation of this young man. Since then, uh, I always been passionate for preach to non-believers in the public places. So here at Hispanic Ministry of Calvary, God moved us from last year to the parks in Sanana to preach the gospel, just with a small speaker and a microphone and a guitar. Marcelino sing uh, songs. We, we worship the Lord in the, in the parks. And then I preached for just 15 minutes the gospel. After a call to repent to all sinners there, we prayed together and we split, split up in, uh, in groups with uh, evangelistic track, invitation for the church, and a small gift for everyone in the park. So they receive with joy, and some people say, thank you for the message. Uh, some people come to us and, and ask for pray, and it's amazing. It's exciting to see how people are open to receive the gospel, so we need to go there. Once a month. <laughs> yes, uh, once a month, we go to uh, different parks in Sanana. Uh, almost 50 members of the church come with me to share the gospel. And we have beautiful experiences with people receiving Jesus and other people uh, come to us and ask for pray. So, going out to search for those lost in sin. Next summer, we are planning a special BBS outreach in partnership with the missionary Steve Meekers in a youth group in uh, Sanana in July. So, pray for us that the Lord can use this ministry and uh, with the Hispanic people of Sanana. And remember, uh, we need to preach to the sinners, to the lost in sin, because healthy, they, people healthy don't need a doctor, but sick do. So go preach the gospel and make disciples. Amen. Amen. And so it's important for us to, to check ourselves on this, right? To think about this. Where, where am I with this? What is my heart? What is my heart for those who are far from God? What is my heart towards those who need to hear the gospel? And that's where you can examine yourselves in a couple areas with this. You can examine yourself in this, like, am I aware of my sin and need of a savior for myself? Maybe you're here today and you have not placed 
your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. I want to call you to that today, to just to talk to God today. You, you can do that right now. You don't need anybody to help you. We want to help you, but you can just talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus right now. I have sinned, and I need you to save me. I believe that you are God. That's as simple as that. But then we come alongside you and come alongside each other and walk through that. But then the other way to examine yourself is just, are you aligned with the heart of Jesus for those who are far from God? Do you care for those who are far from God? And most of the time that's gonna be in your everyday life. It's cool, we, we will preach in parks, but most of the time it's at your work, your school, and your family. As you go along the way, you're gonna have friends and people that you're encountering, coworkers, neighbors, whoever that might be. And you want and you need to have that heart of Christ to both show love and to speak the love and the truth of Jesus. We talk about word, deed, power a lot, okay? We need word, deed, and power. And we need to be able to speak the words of the gospel. That's very important. We actually have to do that. We have to speak the words of the good news to our friends. We also need deed, word, deed, good deeds, helping people, sharing with people, caring for those in need, just being a good friend and a good neighbor. Good deeds lead to good news. Good deeds lead to good news. But we also need power. Did you know that today is Pentecost Sunday? You know what Pentecost is, friends? <laughs> uh, Pentecost is a celebration in the church calendar of when the Holy Spirit came and indwelled those early disciples, those early followers, the early church, and came in and the, the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them to go and be then those witnesses of Jesus to those people close by and then the people across to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit came and dwelled believers. That is what is celebrated today. And so we celebrate that today, recognizing we need word, deed, and power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to give you words to say when you are terrified and have no words yourself. That is the promise of God, that he gives you his power to be able to be a witness for him even when you feel like you've got nothing to give. That's the Holy Spirit power in you. And we see God work his signs and wonders as well. So I wanna encourage us to be people, people of God who are word people and deed people and power people. We need all of that to be able to speak the love and good news of Jesus to our friends. Amen, are you with me? With me? Yes. So let's go out from this place today, responding in some way to this. How will I live differently today because of this message? Do you care about those who are far from God? And how will you now live in response to this? Will you be a jaded Pharisee or will you be like Levi, this tax collector, who invited his friends to the party to meet Jesus? Let's be that. And let's ask God to empower us to do that. Let's pray together before we worship. Heavenly Father, I do pray now that in the name of Jesus, 
you would empower your people here on this Pentecost Sunday, that you would empower your people, that Holy Spirit, would you descend on the people of this room today, fill them, stir them, empower them to go out and love the world, to love our friends, to love our friends that don't know you, Jesus, and to love them enough to express to them both good deeds and good news, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would see people come to know you as a result of your empowering and filling today. So may we go out knowing we are not alone. We are not weak. We are not dumb. We do not, like, we don't lack for anything because we have your spirit with us, God. May we worship you now just with hearts full of that love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.